Hello and welcome to Failsafe Fitness Podcast Season 2, Episode 13. And it's that time again, folks. It is your questions answered. So over the next sort of 45 minutes to an hour, we'll be looking at the top three questions on nutrition, fitness, and golf that have come through my inbox via the email in the show's description. Thank you so much for people who have sent emails. I have replied to the majority of them, but these ones I feel are the ones that have been the most popular. So the most popular ones I save for the show, and this is where we're gonna get some answers to those questions. Not really gonna prattle on too much about my week this week, uh, as I normally do. Uh, My golf game has been very hit and miss. I mean, how do you shoot 11 over and only hit five putts? Nobody cares, only me. The Short Game Sundays is a resounding success, thanks to everybody that is coming. £5 ahead, Himley Hall Golf Centre, if you do want to join me, 11am Sunday morning. Every Sunday until the 2nd of July, so there's only three weeks left. In fact, by the time this podcast goes out, there will be two Sundays left. There are two important things, there's a putting session coming up in that and there is a bunker play session coming up so just two weeks to go once this airs uh, for the short game Sundays clients many thank you to all of the clients that have been coming personal training clients you are an absolute bunch of animals the uh, half a dozen or so clients that I've been dealing with over the last sort of week or so You've absolutely smashed your goals. You're doing really well. By the time this summer gets fully into swing in the middle of next month, you are definitely going to be beach body ready. And you are definitely going to be ready to hit the sand and hit the sunshine in style. Well done to you all. Golf clients, you have been an absolute inspiration. Some of you have smashed your goals already in terms of the way you wanted to play you know i've had a a couple of people with sort of 70 100 yard slices uh they've calmed down to a 15 20 yard draw now which is absolutely amazing i've had a few couple of clients who uh couldn't chip if they were told to save someone's life and now they are hitting they're using the lee trevino technique little bumpy eight iron or putty seven iron around the green getting it close and they are saving themselves so many shots around the green by doing that and uh, you're welcome thank you very much you are doing a great job and I'm pretty sure very soon your handicaps will be coming down my week has been good it is I will have a little chat about that we had a storm at the start of the week here in the UK A lot of trees came down at Himley. Uh, I spent most of the week clearing up those trees, getting them moved, getting them pulled down, getting them so they're safe so members uh, and uh, players alike can navigate the golf course without fear of being crushed by a big tree. I haven't played very well in terms of my golf. I putted really well, chipped okay. 
My approach play has been hit and miss, and my off the tee has been abysmal. So there's that. I've got to fix now. Something that two or three weeks ago was so good is now so, so bad. But we'll get there, and I'll get down to my single-figure target this year, I am sure. And that's pretty much been my week. It's been uh, short and sharp. Great. Thank you for everybody who's coming. Keep it up. If you do want personal training, nutrition and weight management, golf performance, massage clients, or mobility clients, if you do want any of that, three for two sessions are available. Get in touch via the links below. Either pay in advance or pay on your first session for those three for two they are available to the first of july i did extend it for all avenues now every avenue that i offer massage personal training nutritional weight management golf performance and the mobility side of things if you're looking for any of that get in touch we'll sort you out you will be amazed at what you can do in just a short period of time Three for two is available until the 1st of July, which so happens to be my 45th birthday. So happy birthday, everybody, to me. And I'll see you soon if you do book. Right, that's enough of me prattling on about what I'm going to do and what you can buy. Here are your questions answered. They are the top three for nutrition, top three for the fitness and exercise, and top three for golf. And there are a bonus couple of questions that have come in based on my experience and my qualifications. So straight off the bat then, we will crack into those nutrition ones. <clears throat> and this is something that's been popping up <clears throat> quite a lot over the last few weeks. People tend to switch to this kind of a diet in the summer thinking it's going to be healthier and by the time they hit six or eight weeks time you know, summer holidays end of june beginning of august uh, end of june beginning of july end of july end of august middle of august they're all on holiday they're going to look amazing is vegan dieting now vegan dieting <clears throat> does have many health benefits but it also comes with a few risks if it isn't properly balanced and many people who choose a, a, a vegan diet, which is no animal products whatsoever, some people may, you know, do it through because they have a prerequisite and it's going to help that, such as high cholesterol, heart disease. You know, they want to lower that LDL, that low density lipoprotein in their cholesterol. It's often called the bad cholesterol. <coughs> which a vegan or vegetarian diet are very good at doing because you're not taking on extra fat from the meats and dairy products. But like any diet, it is about balance and a balanced uh, vegan diet means you do need to get essential vitamins and minerals from a wide range of sources. Um, and I'll talk about vegan and vegetarian diets because they're they're not that they are a million miles apart if you're arguing between those groups but in terms of those groups this is what we're going to talk about vegan and vegetarian dieting so vegan and vegetarian diet is very different um, from a, a lot of 
how we grow up as people. Uh, this can be a really big sudden change. If you normally eat like processed fatty foods, to suddenly cut all those out, a lot of people don't know what to eat. Uh, they're not sure how to plan meals or select foods that are nutritionally balanced for their body. Since vegetarians don't eat meat, they're at risk of missing out on protein and vitamin B12. Vegans don't eat any uh, animal products whatsoever. So following an even more restrictive diet with no eggs and no dairy in their diet, vegans also need to keep an eye on their calcium levels, vitamin D intake, as well as protein and vitamin B12. All very important things that you need to be taking on board and it's something that you can either supplement or you need to take on um, extra nutrients and extra things to eat in your diet to get these very essential vitamins. It's important to keep in mind that these diets also uh, aren't just about excluding foods, they're also about adding foods such as uh, a, a high amount of uh, fresh fruit and vegetable, whole grains, Someone might cut out meat and animal products, but then they'd begin to rely quickly on carbohydrates. And processed foods like bagels and macaroni cheese and things like that. That's not a healthy or vegan or vegetarian diet. So, how to get the necessary vitamins and nutrients as a vegan or vegetarian? Um, avoiding foods that are high in sodium, which sodium is very high in salt. Also, added sugars and added uh, and, and fats. Um, vegan and vegetarian products such as faux meats are heavily processed and loaded with a lot of salt and a lot of sodium. So please read those nutrition labels very carefully when you are buying those faux vegan or veg vegan meats. For many people, limiting their total sodium intakes no more than 2,300 milligrams per day can help prevent or manage high blood pressure. Um, if men limit their intake of daily sugar to no more than 9 teaspoons, which is 36 grams daily, and women limit it to about 6 teaspoons, which is about 25 grams, um, I mean, that's only 5% of your daily calories come from saturated fat. Choose high-protein foods. I mean, vegetarian protein sources are plentiful. You know, you've got, you, you eat eggs, you have dairy, you've got yogurt, cottage cheese. Vegan, pro, vegan sources of protein, you're looking at the likes of... Um, beans, lentils, peas, seeds, nuts. Um, protein packed meatless meals are also pretty essential. If you have a certain health condition, the history of breast cancer or kidney disease, you know, talk to your doctor about the right protein sources which are right for you, especially if you're changing your diet so drastically. Um, don't eat too many carbohydrates as a, as a vegan or vegetarian. Um, it's easy to load up and on, on carbohydrates, but that can lead to extra weight gain, high blood sugar, a lot of uh, mood swings because of that blood sugar and other health issues. Instead, opt for high grains, 
such as oatmeal, brown rice and quinoa are beautiful uh, carbs that you can add into meals to help pad out your meals if you do go vegan or vegetarian. Make sure you're getting enough vitamin B12, uh, either taking a vitamin that takes it or taking in the nutritional sources that are going to give you that vitamin because if you don't, you're not going to be able to do a lot of things. Your body ain't going to be able to function correctly. Um, also meeting your calcium requirements. Um, vegans may need to supplement with a uh, vitamin D which will help absorption of calcium. Uh, but plenty of kale or collard greens can be essential to your diet if you're vegan. Um, if you are vegan as well, opt for vitamin D fortified foods. So small amounts of safe sun exposure which helps your body make vitamin D. Vegans can also choose foods like orange juice, cereal or plant-based milks that are fortified with the vitamin D. That's going to help you along if you're a vegan. And obviously, if you are considering a change of diet, make sure you go and speak to someone like myself, nutrition and weight management, or a um, appointed, registered, you know, vegan or vegetarian dietitian. Get that in the books and go and discuss with them the foods that you like, the foods that you need to add. They'll give you all the information that you need, like start to finish, including myself. So yeah, vegan dieting can be very interesting. You need to find some support. So if you're trying to do this on your own in a family of four, um, or you're living in a, in a flat chair and they're still going to be eating meat, it does get very hard to stick to that diet. So exchange recipes with other people online or find a group or a social group that is vegan or vegetarian and you can change those those eating habits stay in communication with your dietitian and they will also give you the support that you require removing one meat or animal product from your diet each week replacing it with fruit or vegetable whole grain or plant-based protein isn't a bad idea you can still slowly turn into a vegan or vegetarian you don't need to cut everything out all at once you can dip your toes and every week or so dip that toe a little bit further till you're knee deep in you know vegetarian or being a vegan and then that's once you once you're knee deep you're kind of stuck in there and you're in that world and you're living it and you you're going to enjoy it more if you just cut things out slowly rather than just cutting everything out all at once i mean if there's a medical situation that needs it to be done then that's a little bit tougher to go through, but I'm, I'm assured your dietitian on that in that case will get you on the right plan and eating the right foods as quickly as humanly possible. And also staying practical, make a meal that fits your schedule and your budget. Uh, skip the weeknight takeout and try and do a meal prep on weekends. So that's that's all I've got to say on vegan dieting. It can be very good, very beneficial to your health. But you don't need to jump in head first. Dip a toe here, dip a toe there, 
cut things out slowly and build yourself into being a vegan or vegetarian and then that will make the transition a little bit less harsh um, you know you're not going to be like someone trying to come off crack cocaine to replace it with a sherbet dib dab it's going to happen you, you can't do that overnight you're going to have to go down a process and if you process with one toe at a time one meat at a time one thing at a time you will get there over time and then once you're in it and you've got yourself a little knowledge base of foods you can and can't and love to eat then you're in you're good and that is the vegan dieting for me uh, continuing on with eating things I had a ton of questions uh, I think Barbell Shrugged did a podcast on just eating food don't be you know anyone can do this the guy who wrote the book or, or you, 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 I think you can't screw this up or something like that it was called uh, was saying well you can go and have your pizza you can go and have this and you can go and have that and I've mentioned it before on the podcast and I'm going to be honest absolutely honest if it fits your macros and even if it doesn't fit your macros going and having a pizza going and having a breakfast going and have a three course meal you know once a week maybe twice three times at the very most if you're putting in five days a week in the gym three meals a week is not going to kill you it's not to be treated as a reward and this is something I've said to all of my nutrition clients is that don't see having a breakfast as a treat or having a McDonald's as a treat or having an Indian takeaway as a treat or going eating out I mean mainly the, the, the questions that came in were about eating out but eating takeaway food or eating out at restaurants you don't have to be super duper selective just again make sure that you know fat content and maybe sodium is limited in that meal but if it's the only meal that you're gonna have that's not on a plan or on a diet plan or not pre-prepared by you then just have at it enjoy that meal enjoy the time with your people that you're with and enjoy your food because eating out doesn't have to be a punishment the next day in the gym you have to have some form of balance and if you're five days a week in the gym and then your your weekends raging it up Friday Saturday Sunday probably not a good balance you need to find a little bit more of a balance but if you're having one meal once a week or one meal once a month as a three-course meal as a treat to go out with a partner or a friend or the all the guys or girls from your gym whether that be a CrossFit or a global gym or a, or a whatever just enjoy it enjoy the food don't punish yourself and that one meal isn't gonna make it uh, in the grand scheme of things in the 80 90 years you're gonna live isn't gonna make a massive difference so go and enjoy eat out people but don't eat out all the time is what I'm saying and then the third thing that came across for nutrition is low calorie and low fat And this is like, oh, I need to do. I need to eat low fat this and low fat that, low calorie this and low calorie that. 
Yeah, in a balance. I said, but you need to check lo lots of low-calorie foods still have a lot of high, highly, um, the overly produced foods with a lot of sweeteners in. So they don't have actual sugar, but sweeteners can also be as, uh, just as damaging as sugar in terms of your diet. So be very careful with low calorie foods in terms of, of sweetness because I'd rather you have sugar than sweetness if I'm honest. And then the things that were low fat. Now to be low fat, I think legally it's got to be 30% less fat than its original product. So if something has, you know, 100 grams of fat in per portion, then then the low fat version has got to have 70 grams of fat or less per portion. So just keep an eye on if it's uh, if it's 40 or 50%, great. Choose that option. But if it's only 30% and it's something you don't eat all the time, again, I wouldn't worry about it. And then there was another thing in there, low calorie, low fat, low sugar and sweetness. And I've said this before, if you're swapping sugar for sweeteners, stop. I'd rather you have the sugar than the sweetness. The sweeteners are a chemical based compound and your body isn't made to deal with it. Whereas at least with sugar, whatever sugar it may be of the 50 odd types that are out there, there is a post on the blog if you want to go and look them up. Um, but at least your body knows how to deal with those sugars rather than a chemical product made in a lab. And that, ladies and gents, is the three most popular questions that came across the email about nutrition. So you've had my thoughts on vegan dieting. Eating out is a simple one. Go eat out. Go enjoy your life, but don't eat out every day. Once a week, you know, three times a month, whatever it is that makes you happy. But if you're in the gym five times a week, you can probably afford to have at least a takeaway or a sit-down meal somewhere away from what you'd normally do you've probably earned that don't punish yourself and keep punishing yourself for eating the next day in the gym because you've had a, that that dessert you really didn't want enjoy your life you only live once you've got to have some enjoyment and the same applies to the low calorie low fat low sugar high sweetness side of things Make sure that low calorie is lower in calories and not being pumped full of fat or fat pumped full of sweetness. And the same with the low sugar, low sweetness thing. I'd rather you have a sugary drink than a, a drink full of sweetness. Yes, it's zero calorie and it might be zero sugar, but long-term effects might not be great. I know there are some sweeteners that if I have them in, in sugary drinks, then I'm not feeling so great the next day. My stomach's got a bit of a, uh, a whirlpool on. So just be careful with those things. Before we move into the fitness and exercise part of things, I'm just going to remind you that I, I do run a blog as well as this podcast. So on the Failsafe Fitness at Weebly website, you can go and take a look at the 10 best backbuilding exercises. Um, 
all put together just a little little sheet of, of 10 exercises that you can do add to your, your your process in the gym to help build that back up nice and strong nice and firm especially if you're um, stood up all day or you're serving on a till you know or you know you're working at a restaurant and you're front loaded with loads of plates when you're dishing them out as a, as a maitre d whatever you're working as a chef or you're indeed you're just a golfer or a tennis player building a strong upper back will open up your posture will keep make you feel a little bit stronger and a little bit more stable when you're doing your everyday exercises as well as the exercises that you do um, away from work and away from home so go and check that out it is at fellsafefitness.weebly.com and 10 best building back exercises go take a look okay then straight into the fitness ones now these have been a little strange for a little while but uh, these are the top three that came through and one of them is um, I'm always tight and it wasn't I'm always tight with my wallet I don't spend any money it was I'm always tight after I come out of the gym sometimes it's two or three days and what I'm gonna say to that is it's either normally it's one of two things you're either overdoing it in the gym and it's your body's way of going look you need to take a break take a week off take five days take an extra day if you're always feeling tight and you're beat up and you're miserable even when you're at the gym and you're you're doing something that you know is good for you but you're miserable at doing it take a week off I'm not saying take a year off or five years off. Take f three days, five days, seven days at max. I'd say, look, I'm just going to give my body a bit of a time to recover. I'm going to take a week, and then I'm going to get back at it. Um, also as well, the second thing is, it might be the case of your warm-up and your cool-down. I've seen a lot of young lads go into a gym. They've gone in. They've done very little. They've done a lot. Of, I mean, I'm a dynamic stretch kind of a guy. So everything I do warm-up wise is dynamic. So I'm getting the joints flowing. I'm getting the muscles moving. I'm making sure that my clients and myself when I'm in the gym. That I can move about. That I can feel that if there are any niggle. Was oh, shoulder hurting today? Is my back a little sore? You know, is that knee still feeling a bit dodgy? You know, is my ankle okay? Whatever it may be, you can while you're doing your dynamic warm, you go okay. So I might need to drop that down. I'll, I'll see what the first set's like and go from there. A lot of people don't warm up properly. Now, dynamic warm-ups. There is a again blog post available if you want to go and take a look about dynamic warm-ups, uh, and they are fantastic to help you loosen yourself up ready for the bigger exercises to come and then the opposite happens the cool down a lot of people I've seen a lot of people in the gym they've just done their last set of deadlifts or squats they've literally put rack the bar on their last set of squats they put the bar the barbell away and they walked out the gym what 
So they haven't given any thought to what might be tight in their legs or their back or anything. Hips. They've just literally racked the bar, took the weights off, put it away, and literally two, two minutes later, I've seen them drive away in the car. And you can't do that. And that's another reason why you are tight, because those muscles have been worked hard. Everything's got a little tighter, and you've just drove away. You haven't done anything to alleviate that. So dynamic warm-ups before you start. And a little five-minute stretch routine, starting from the from the leg, the ankles down. So stretch the the calves off, stretch the quads off, stretch the hamstrings off, stretch the lower back off, stretch the upper back off, stretch your triceps off, stretch your chest off. That's it. That's all you need to do. Making sure that those things are stretched off. It's five, six, maybe eight stretches at the most, just to feel that everything has just gone back to normal from when you started do that and it will improve and like I say if if that isn't the problem and you still feel miserable and tight the next day take a break your body is trying to tell you something the second thing that came across is very like I'm always tight I hurt all the time Take a break, go stretch, warm up properly, cool down better. That's going to make a big benefit. But the other one is, I've not PR'd in a while. I've not made a PR in a lift, whether it be deadlift, squat, whatever. And, you know, working out, and you are going to plateau at some point. Um, and it could be a number of reasons. I mean, a lot of the reasons are... Um, you know, ineffective training routines. You've been doing the same training routine since you were 25. You're now 35. So for a decade, you've done the same thing over and over and over and over and over again. You might not necessarily have, you know, pushed the progressive overload either in terms of reps or weight very well. So you're not pushing yourself enough. You know, inconsistently training. So you, you might train three days one week, two days the next, five days the week after. So being able to say, okay, Tuesday, Thursday, Sunday, that's when I'm going to go to the gym. Or even if it's Tuesday and a Thursday or a Monday and a Friday, I'm just going to go those two days, that's it done. So I get to recover after the weekend and I get myself set up ready for the weekend. Away from the gym. Are you doing things away from the gym? that are affecting your performance in the gym such as an unhealthy diet or an unhealthy lifestyle so like i say go back to you know the, the johnny friday and monday guy or gal or whatever these days could be whatever you want um you know they go in the gym they're in the gym five o'clock friday they do two hours seven o'clock they're out they'll go home they go shower they'll go and grab something to eat and then nine o'clock they're out with their buddies till three four five in the morning and then they're out again saturday you know saturday night and then sunday afternoon they they might play some kind of a, a sunday morning sport and then they're in the pub with their mates again and then monday morning they're trying to sweat all that booze all that food out of them that's not gonna give you any hope of making any progress and probably one of the 
common ones is just lack of sleep. And that lack of sleep could be caused by, you know, it's hot, it's cold. You've had a row with your partner. There's something going on at work. There's something playing on your mind. You know, you're struggling bills, money-wise. You know, there are a myriad of reasons why we don't get enough sleep. Um, but if you're constantly feeling tired and you're still pushing yourself to go to the gym, again, like I said before, take a break. Think about your program. Think about what's changed over the last few days or the last week or the last month and just evaluate what is going on, not just in the gym, but at work or at home. Is something affecting that? Something affecting your sleep, etc., etc., your diet, whatever. Write a few things down and just take a look at it, your life objectively from the outside and see what you're doing. You know, so busting through your routine then, if you haven't had a PR in a while, taking a break can help. Switching up your routine is a good start. So if you've always done, been a, a three sets of ten kind of person, you've gone in, you've done three sets of tens of this, or whatever, blah, 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 and you've done a full body routine, then maybe do three sets of ten and split it up into, you know, back and biceps, chest and triceps, and leg day. Or you can go, let's go five by five. I'm going to go heavy. Try and force progression that way by adding more weight to the bar, working for less time, and just trying to build brute strength rather than trying to build a, uh, a more leaner and, and cohesive muscle in terms of endurance-wise. You know, incorporating, like I say, progressive overload into your training. When was the last time you added weight to the bar without adding, so you know, you got a 100 kilo bench press for instance as a PR, but you're always benching 70, 75 kilo, which is about 75% of what your PR is. When was the last time you tried to do, you, you up that to 77 and a half or 80 kilos and did three sets of 10 or five by five? So change it up that way in terms of intensity Add a little bit more weight, see how you get on. If you find that's easy, add more weight. If you're not being able to PR, you know, uh, over 100 kilos and you've done three sets of 10 for the last two years, maybe going five by five with a heavier bar at 80 or 85 kilo, 85% of your one max is going to give you that your muscles that push to build a more forceful progression rather than a, a more workload-based progression. You know, as I've said, rest, relax, cover. Make sure that you're eating correctly away from the gym, that you're getting plenty of protein, your sleep is good, your diet doesn't need to be perfect, but needs to be okay. Um, and the bottom line is, if you've hit a plateau, congratulate, congratulate yourself on how far you've come. You've got to the point where your body won't do that. Uh, but look back at what you've accomplished and then look at what are those things to move forward. Uh, you know, assess your diet, your lifestyle, sleep pattern, uh, and things that you can control. Because uh, there are always some things we can't control. Work is one of them. We've all got to work. Yes, we all love to earn money. We love to spend money. Sometimes we just hate our jobs. And I hated my job for five years. And I've come out and I've done what I've done to be my own my business owner again. 
uh, at Failsafe Fitness Limited, and I love my job. It's not earning me a buck ton of money at the minute. Um, I'm a fledgling guy who doesn't look like I'm much in terms of a personal trainer, doesn't look like much of a person, but I'm delivering results to my clients, and that is what matters, and building my business and building my success from that. So I have no control on who rings me, who emails me, who books a session, who, who cancels a session. I have no control over that, but I have to make sure that I've got food on the table and my bills are paid. So that is, I'm not getting a lot of sleep at the minute, and that's one of the reasons why I'm kind of struggling on the golf course and in the gym. So, you know, bottom line is we all have some issues. We just need to look at them objectively and can we do anything about it? So, yeah, not PR'd in a while. Take a look at all those factors and see where you need to change things up a little bit. The third one, and it's something that always comes up every summer, is running. I want to go running, I want to do this, I want to do that, and blah, 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 blah. I don't really run, but a friend's asked me to, this, that, whatever. And my answer is this. Running is good. Any form of cardiovascular exercise is going to be great for you long term. You've just got to be careful. If you're not really a runner, or you're a biggish person like me, um, and doesn't really enjoy, I never really enjoyed running. Even when I played football, I hated running. Um, but things you need to look at is, again, dynamic warm-up, uh, static cool-downs. Um, you need to look at, you know, potential injuries that you've had in the past that might prevent you from running. Uh, current injuries that you might have that might prevent you from, from running well. Uh, and also, you need to look at footwear. How your gait is. So going to a professional sports shop so they can measure your gait. So how flat-footed or how high-arched, high wow, that was a mouthful, your foot is will depend on, on what kind of trainers or kind of running shoes you're going to have to buy. Because if you're buying like Skechers High Arch trainers and you've got a really low flat gait, uh, flat foot, they are going to murder your feet and you are going to want to quit after a couple of runs. But you're going to pound it out and then you're going to get yourself injured. Plantar fasciitis, because all that, all that pounding of that high arch on that, uh, that high arch insole on the instep of your foot is just going to destroy your foot and cause you a lot of pain. So, you know, running is great. But make sure you go and get your gait measured. Make sure your feet and your training shoes, your running shoes, are fit for your style of running and your style of body. And also, obviously, don't forget stretching, dynamic warm-ups, static cool-downs. And if you're going to start somewhere, there's a myriad of couch to 5K. So they normally start with like 60 seconds of running, 90 seconds walking. I think they're a great asset. It'll beep in your ear. You can still play music. And every time you hear a beep, it'll be walk or run, something along those lines. You can start there. Start small. Don't go, I'm going to do 5K this week uh, every day for three days. Because you're not. You're probably not. Just be sensible about what you are doing when you are running or training 
or eating. All it needs is just to take 30 seconds to think about, well, if I eat this, how much fat's that? How much sugar's this? How many sweeteners is that? What's this? What's that? Question, just ask a couple of questions. What, where, and why? And then how am I going to do, deal with it later on? You can't go wrong. And that's pretty much it for the fitness questions. Those three are quite in-depth anyway. Um, and I recommend that a lot of people look at the their, way they train all the time. Moving on to the golf then, the three questions that came through for golf. The first one was rotation. And I see this a lot. I've seen it quite a bit recently in, in a few clients. Um, and when I talk about rotation, it's not just of the shoulders or the hips. You know, it's rotation of the body. You know, how the left, if you're a right-handed golfer, how that left knee rotates into the right knee. Then how those, how those, how those hip, hips react into that. How the shoulders and the chest turn into that. And then it's the other, going the other way. So how do you how do you, you know you wound up into your backswing? How do you unwind that rotation? And one of the biggest things I've seen so far, and it's it's something that I've seen a lot in a lot of newcomers, um, both old and young, is that they tend to think they create false rotation. And what I mean by false rotation is. So if you look at Rory McIlroy or, or, or some of the biggest players and the longest and best players in the world, their left arm, when it's at the peak of their backswing, they don't have this 90 degree bend, like they're trying to wear their left arm like a scarf. But this is something I've come across in, in several people I've given performance coaching to over the recent weeks. And it's something I'm trying to get them out of. Because... The biggest and best players in the world have about a 40 degree, maybe 48 degree bend, 40-45 degree bend in their arm, in their lead arm, in their left arm. If you're a right-handed golfer, right arm, if you're a left-handed golfer, there's a 40 to 45 degree bend in that arm. But what I've seen from a lot of young people is that they're going like 90 degrees. 90 to six, 90, 90 degrees and sometimes more. They're literally trying to wear their, their, their lead arm like a scarf. And with that, once you're unwinding, that kind of like 40, 50, 60 degree bend is not sustainable. It's not a consistent thing. Because they try and hit a softer shot, they don't bend their arm as much. They're trying to annihilate the golf ball they're wearing their arm like a scarf. So get yourselves out of that. Get a little ball or a, a couple of head covers, roll them up into a ball, and just try and keep those arms together. Because what I see, when, when you bend your arms like a scarf, your forearms separate. And when your forearms separate, that's hard then to get them back to where they were. There's so much movement in that bending of that arm that you can't get a consistent strike. So please, rotation. How to get more rotation? It starts 
with you know having mobility in the ankles then mobility in the knees then mobility in your hips and then mobility in your shoulders uh, it's not wrapping your arms around your neck like you're trying to wear them as a scarf if you do need to be checked for your mobility I have that, uh, that capability of doing that so mobility is something that I brought into a separate part of the business now we're looking at making you know people a little bit more mobile especially the golfers older golfers in general just trying to get them to understand their bodies a little bit more and being able to control themselves and being able to control their mobility gaining a little bit more flexibility is going to make them a feel better in themselves and b play better golf so yeah rotation don't get the false rotation make sure that you're rotating that that left knee as a right hand golfer is going towards the right knee that the the right hip the right hip is is going behind you that your shoulders are turning and you're not wrapping your arms because once you wrap your arms that's a death knell for any golf swing the second question and it's a question that comes up a lot is speed and speed and more speed I want more speed and again wrapping your arms around your neck like a scarf isn't gonna it might feel like you're creating speed but you're actually by doing that you are creating a poor contact you create creating a lack of compression and what you want to do is you want to be able to deliver the club in a downward blow behind the ball with as much speed as you like so if you turn the club upside down and you swing it and you, you imagine the balls on the floor and you swing that club you'll feel yourself kind of whip it through the ball and that's the kind of thing you need to do to generate more speed is whip the club head through the ball not at the ball but through the ball um, and if you have access to a gym or you've got access to the internet like you're listening this to now there's a little med ball drill that's going to help with this so grab yourself a, a three four five kilo med ball at max you don't need a massive med ball for this and you're going to take your backswing you're going to go into your backswing and then you're going to slam that med ball down behind your back foot so whether you're left-handed or right-handed doesn't matter just go to the top of your backswing and slam that ball down behind the back of your foot and that's the kind of thing to release your arms and that's also going to help you release the club head through the ball to gain some speed so you have access to the to the, the to, a, to a med ball anywhere grab that med ball do this backswing med ball slam three sets of ten two or three times a week uh, even take the med ball if you can take the med ball to the driving range with you do a set see how you go do another set see how you go and do another set and see how much how the ball flight is going to change how your compression changes it's a great little little drill to gain some speed with your hands to help you deliver the speed through the golf ball at the bottom of your swing the third and final one for the golf has come up as etiquette and someone messaged me about the things that I put out you know why should I rake a bunker 
um, when it clearly the eight people that had been in the bunker before me hadn't. And it's a, it's you know it's a moral dilemma. <clears throat> but I think etiquette in golf is getting worse. And the etiquette of leaving the putting surface in the you know, condition you'd want it to be in when you get there, leaving a bunker in the condition you'd want it to be when you get there, is getting worse. I don't know whether that's a generational gap thing, but it's not just the younger generation of the, the 30, you know, 25 and 30s under. I've seen 50, 60, 70-year-olds walk round a bunker like it's Blackpool Beach, walk round the rake several times because they've had four shots to get out of it, and then walk away. And I've seen that happen everywhere on every golf course. I've seen the young and old, frail and drunk, doesn't matter who you are, what you are. That kind of etiquette is disgusting. And personally, I would love to have a work at a golf club that has someone that goes round and, and checks that bunkers, just, just drives round all day dishing out fines. You've just raked that bunker. There's the video of you doing it. You, have, you haven't raked the bunker. It's a £5 fine. And if they argue it, you say, well, okay, it's a £10 fine. If they argue it some more, it's okay to leave the golf course. And I would love to have a facility to do that. And a lot of people would go, well, you just, you're, I'm just being a dick. I, you know, it takes two seconds to rake a bunker. Why don't you do it? You're a greenkeeper. Yeah, I am a greenkeeper, yes. And I could rake it. But you're a player who's made that mess. And you're happily going to leave your size 9 footprints, all 30 of them, in that bunker for someone else to be in. But you're also going to be the first person that when your ball goes in a bunker and is in a size 11 footprint, that's going to play the face about it. I should be able to rake this. I shouldn't be in a footprint. Well, what did you do three holes ago? <sighs> Etiquette. Please, 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 if you're listening to this podcast, it's not hard. If your tee shot is going off the planet and you don't know where it's going and you don't even, it doesn't matter if you don't know if someone's on the next fairway, bloody shout for. Because the etiquette demands that you are forewarning people that your ball is nowhere near the goddamn hole that you are on. When you get to the greens, make sure you look for the pitch mark that you may or may not have made. If you haven't made one, but you find one anyway, repair it. Because that's going to take three weeks to fix and repair, not a couple of days if you actually fixed it. Thank you. And if you're in a bunker, rake the buggers. Rake your footprints out, rake somebody else's footprints out. Make the group or groups behind you happy that they're not in a footprint. That simple. Etiquette. Those are simple things you can do. And the, 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 the fourth and final one from me on the subject of etiquette is that, again, you're only as fast as the slowest player in your group. If you're all playing off 5, 6, 18, 20, and the guy you're playing with has never held a club upright before. Let the groups behind go. 
don't go, oh, he'll catch us up, because the four groups that are sat on the tee behind you are getting annoyed. And they want to bomb drives at you for being the dicks holding them up from their dinner, from their wives, from their life. So it's quite easy. If your mate, who's not played for th three years or ever, is taking three shots to get up to your one, let the guys or the groups behind go. They will be out of your way before he's even caught up to your approach shots. That simple. And that's pretty much it for me in terms of golf and etiquette. I hope you all understand that. Now this is something uh, I looked at and it's a question I've had for a while. It's a question I get quite a bit. Um, and it was a little bit of backstory to me and how I became a golf performance coach and why I'm not a member of the PGA. I'm not a PGA pro. I'm not a PGA golf coach. I'm not a PGA anything. And my golf stories, basically, between 92 and 96, I was playing off kind of scratch there or thereabouts uh, at Swindon Golf Club, which is now unfortunately closed. I got married, had kids, got divorced, got remarried, and then found my love of golf again in 2018. 2019 started playing properly. and the last four years, I've loved being in golf and also being, you know, strength and conditioning, personal trainer, massage, you know, therapist, nutrition and weight management. I thought, I'll take a punt. I'll get out of the job that I hate and try and do something that I love. And the reason I don't have a PGA card is because the PGA are ageist. And I'm not the only one. I'm probably the only one that's going to say this out loud. Unless you're a pro golfer currently on tour at my age of 45 coming, you've got absolutely no chance of getting, you know, PGA qualified. They're all PGA qualified anyway because they've all had to go to Q school, etc., etc., but PGA qualifications are about 15 grand. It takes five years to get them. So someone of my age, and I'm not the only one, there are several companies out there offering qualifications to people of my age, but they're not PGA qualifications, they're just more qualifications. Uh, and they're qualifications that are probably less than what I've actually got. So if you're 30 plus or 40 plus, the PGA do not want to know. They are not interested in taking, because you have to pay to be a PGA pro every year. And obviously there are more um, yearly certificates, you know, TPI certificates will cost you about two grand a year if you want their level three, which is ridiculous. <clears throat> so yeah. I'm not PGA qualified, and that's because the PGA are sexist, uh, not sexist, ageist. They don't want people over 40, they don't want people over 30 being a PGA pro. Because the fees they're going to get off you that you pay to them every year, you're going to do that for about a decade before you retire, maybe 15 years. Whereas if you're 18, 19, 20, you've probably got 30 or 40 years of fees to pay. So, you know, business. I'm not a business. Plus the fact that 
you know, PJ, there are a million and one, there are, there's a myriad of, of certifications now. I mean, Foresight do certifications, how to read a launch monitor. I mean, really? An idiot with a pair of eyes and a brain cell can read spin loft and launch angle and club path and club face and face to path. It's not hard. They're on the screen. Determining that someone's face to path means they've got a 70 yard slice. Not a problem. They're two up on their irons, which means they're thinning the crap out of them. Or they're five down on their irons and they're taking divots the size of a printer. It's not difficult. But that's a, a genuine certification. It probably costs in around a thousand pound. Plus you need the 15, 20 grand foresight equipment to actually do the damn thing. So, you know, I don't need to be spending that kind of money. I have a brain, I have a pair of eyes, and I understand the numbers. And I can offer something that PGA pros don't. I'm not saying the likes of TPI don't, but I have experience in the fitness side of things. So, strength and conditioning, personal training, mobility, you know, massage therapy. I understand how the body works, how the body moves, how the body should move, and how to help you get the most out of the way your body works and the way you move. And those are all things that TPI do. To, you know, I don't need to go and get more qualifications because I already have those damn qualifications in how to get your body to do things that it, it should do better. And the fact that, you know, the PGA won't accept me. But I can also offer not just on-course, but off-course solutions. You know, how to eat better, how to get better sleep, how to, you know, structure your diet, how to eat, what to eat, when to eat, if to eat. You know, making sure that your supplementation, making sure that your macros and micros and, and all that is in all your ducks in a row. I can do all of that and make sure that you're loose, that you you can have a massage if you want. I can gain you some distance. I can do all of those things and I don't need to spend the 40 grand that goes with it because I can already do it. And I'm not one of those. I've been to plenty of expensive PGA pros that don't have a damn clue about mobility. I've been to a lots of cheap PGA pros that have given me tips on how to turn my hips out, how to open my hips more, how to generate some more speed through the ball by doing this and by doing that. You know, I've been to some old pros that are learning new tricks. I've been to some young pros who feel like they're stuck in the 70s when I was a kid uh, in, in positions. What? It's a dynamic sport. You need to be more dynamic is a personal opinion. But it's not a personal opinion because you see the likes of Bryson DeChambeau and Brooks Kepka and Rory McIlroy, you know, um, Carl Barkshire is the long drive guy. 
you know, the very dynamic Martin Borgmeier, the dynamic movements, they're pressing forward, they're moving, they're very fluid with their movements to generate speed, to generate distance. And these are all things that I can deliver very successfully being a performance coach and being a personal trainer and being a massage therapist. I can get you to do all of that without having to spend an absolute fortune. I mean, people go, oh, well, why aren't you PGA qualified? That's why. There's your answer. It's A, money. It's B, they won't take me. And it's C, the fact I can already do all of that and more. I can offer you a full price. If you want to be a better golfer, I can get you in the gym. I can get you speed training. I can improve your flexibility. I can improve your strength. I can build you a program that's going to help open your shoulders up, help you get more drive through your quads, help you get more speed with your turn and your shoulders. I can tell you what to eat and when to eat and how to eat. Name me a, P name me a uh, you know, PGA pros that can deliver all of that on top of just you need to hit the ball better because there aren't going to be many. And that's basically it. That is the show for this week, ladies and gents. That's the reason why I don't have any PGA certifications because I don't feel the necessary to what I'm delivering. I hope you've enjoyed the answers on the vegan and vegetarian dieting, eating out, the low-calorie stuff, um, obviously feeling tight when you're coming away from the gym, you've not PR'd in a while, and or you want to go running. I hope you've taken some of those things on board and put them into play. Golf, you know, rotation, getting some extra speed, doing the drill that has been I've put in the show, and also etiquette again is a big thing that comes up. It's a big thing that comes up every summer and every year, and it's my pet peeve. Do those four things, and your life and everybody else's life around you on the golf course will be so much better. And obviously, final thing before you go if you do want any lessons from me all the links are in the description come and speak to me ring me up send me an email dm me on instagram or facebook i'm also on tiktok as well get in touch we'll sort you out mobility speed distance performance food nutrition and massage i can do the lot i can deliver it for you just get in touch, pick up that phone, send that email, make your journey today. We can make it you the best version of you. Thank you for listening. Normal service will resume next week. So golf tip, nutrition tip, exercise tip, a couple of promotions, and me talking crap about how my week is. Hope you all have a good week. Thank you very much for listening. Goodbye.